Okay, let's get going then. The, the time between crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we don't really think about or talk about that time much because on Good Fridays we talk about Good Friday, the death and crucifixion of Jesus. And then on Sunday we talk about Easter Sunday and celebration. But the time between the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that was a dark, dreadful, fear-filled, sorrowful time for the disciples and those who knew Jesus. So we, we almost quickly jump from Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday. But the time between that is a time of great hardship where some of them left everything that they knew. Jesus came by, Jesus said, follow me. And they followed Jesus, only to realize that this Jesus that they thought would save them is now dead. A few of them saw Jesus just a few days ago in his glory. Jesus in his glory, they saw him. And then a couple days later, they look at Jesus and his body is motionless. It's not moving. They knew Jesus, how he looked, how he was. Certain things that were very unique about Jesus. And now, on Friday, when they looked at Jesus, his face was unrecognizable. And so when they go into Saturday and leading up to Sunday, it is a difficult time for the disciples. Because they don't know what to do. Now, it's not just that Jesus died, it is also that everything that they know, all of the systems, all of the power hierarchies, they're all after them. And so they hide themselves in a room, probably locking it up, probably huddled together. Isn't it good to see Wayne? Yes, yes it is. Good to have you here, Wayne. So that's what's happening with the disciples. A time of darkness, a and Maurice too. Both of them. So it's, it's happening and they know that they're in a time of difficulty. And then on the other side, you have the power structures. You have the Sanhedrin. You have the Pharisees all taking a step back and now thinking, he's done. Because Jesus is dead. And the devil, Satan, and the powers of darkness thought, that's it. So that's the reality of Friday, Saturday, leading up to Sunday. And we cannot forget that. We cannot forget the fact that for two days, three days, there was a time when, they, when the disciples were afraid, fearful of what was happening. And then you see these women who are going to the tomb. Why? Because they wanted to apply ointments. They wanted to go there and see Jesus. It says they, they were seeking after Jesus. They get there. Only to realize now, that this one stone that they were talking about on their way to the tomb. How will we get this stone rolled away so that we can go into the tomb? That this very stone that they were talking about, it's been rolled away. And all of a sudden, at that point they realize something has happened. They don't know what has happened, but something has happened. And then the disciples come to know about it. Two of them run to the tomb only to discover that it is true. The only thing that's left here are the linen clothes and the handkerchief neatly folded, kept aside. And Jesus is not there. And then we know everything that happened after that. But I wanted to take, stay there for a minute to recognize that before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the disciples went through a time like that. And then all of a sudden, in an instant, God proved himself true. And Jesus resurrected from the dead. He was truly dead. All of the powers of darkness, all of Satan's schemes, all of the Sanhedrin schemes, every political power that tried to put him down, obliterated in a second. Why? Because God said, my son will now rise up. And Jesus Christ rose up from the dead. What we're going to talk about today, look at today, 
is how, how does this apply to us? And this is not a new thing because some of us have been Christians for years. We have heard this many times. But practically, how do we live a lifestyle that aligns with the resurrection of Jesus? That's why I've titled this Resurrection Lifestyle. Because resurrection of Jesus Christ is not an event. It's not just an event. It is a lifestyle for us to partake in. It's a lifestyle for us to live in every day. It's not just an event. It's a lifestyle. So we'll read a few verses now, and then we'll go from there. Let's first read Acts chapter 2, 24. Acts chapter 2, 24. It says, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible to keep its hold on him. Acts 2.24 But God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing Jesus from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. So the fact that Jesus died for our sins is one thing. But the fact that he resurrected is another because if Jesus said that I'm going to die for the sins of the world, and he died, okay, he died for the sins of the world. But it had to be a perfect man without any sins who was going to die. And the resurrection was the proof of the fact that Jesus was sinless and that death could not hold him down. The death of Jesus Christ by itself is not proof. The resurrection of Jesus now is proof of the fact that death tried to keep him down. Powers tried to keep him down, but nothing could. And he rose up from the dead. So that's one. Number two, let's read Romans chapter 8, 11. Romans chapter 8, 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through, the, through his spirit who dwells in you. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So it's the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. The Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. So on one hand, we said, death could not hold him anymore, and he was sinless. And now, the Spirit of God raised Jesus to life. Third verse we're going to look at is 1 Corinthians 15, 14. You don't need to go there, I'll just read it out loud. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, this is Paul speaking, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. The enormity of the resurrection. Jesus died, yes, but he rose again. And when he rose again, he was risen by the power of God. And it proved that Jesus was sinless and death couldn't hold him. And now we can say, everything that we preach, everything we stand up for, everything that we know as convictions in our mind, all of that is rooted in this one thing, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. All of it, everything that we do, all of our existence is based on this one truth, that Jesus Christ is not dead anymore. That Jesus rose from the dead. Everything that we put our lives to, everything that we believe in, our hope for the future, what we know will happen the moment we die on earth, all of it goes back to this one fundamental truth that Jesus Christ is alive, that he, is, he has risen, that he is not dead, he is a living God. And so that being the truth, that being the reality, how do we live with what we're going to call today 
Resurrection lifestyle. Resurrection lifestyle. How do we live like that? So we'll look at a few different things. And as I go through this list, I want us to apply this practically in our lives. Think about wherever we are at in life, whatever we are doing, how can we apply the resurrection principles of God in our lives? The thing about resurrection is it's not new to God. It doesn't just happen in Matthew chapter 28 and Luke chapter 24 and John, and John chapter 20. This is God's nature. So the first thing is, our God is a resurrection God. It is in his nature, and it is something he has done always. Our God is a resurrection God. He gives life to that which is dead. And so it's not a new thing that happened when God said, my son will rise up from the dead in three days. No. This is the nature of God. This is the very character of God. I want us to look at it this way. When God looks at a desert, he doesn't see a desert. When God looks at a desert, he sees life that can grow there. When God looks at anything that is dry, he doesn't see dryness. He sees the life that can spring out of the dryness. And so everything that we're going to talk about today is not just about Resurrection Sunday and what happened then, but everything we are going to talk about today is the reality that is very much ours. Is the reality that we live by every day. That I serve a God who is now risen. He is not dead anymore. And in His very nature, He gives life. And in His very nature, life flows. And that's who He is. And because that, he, that is He who uh, what did I say? That, but because that is who he is, now, now, everything changes for me. Because I now know that my God, let's read Isaiah chapter 35. I was looking at this verse yesterday. And uh, think about it. Think of, uh, picture this in your mind. Isaiah chapter 35, 1 and 2. This is the God we serve. He brings life into barrenness. So Isaiah 35, 1 and 2. Wilderness and desert will sing joyously. The badlands will celebrate and flower. Wilderness and desert. When God looks at it, He sees a joyous singing because life will come. The badlands, when God looks at, looks at it, He sees celebration and flowering. This is the very nature of our God. The one who, who we call master. He is the one who gives life wherever he goes. Where he is present, life overflows. And all through the scripture we see this. Let's read Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so when we look at situations that are dry, when we look at situations where it seems like it's wilderness or desertish type of situation, and then we see the reality of God who looks at the same situation and says, that very place from that very place, life will spring out. From that very place, there is life that will flow out. From that very place, I hear a sound of joyous singing. From that very place, flowers will come up. Plants will come up. Trees will come up. This is the very nature of the God we serve. And we cannot run away from it. All through the scripture, as we, when we see the Genesis creation story, life. We see times when in the Old Testament where a dead boy was resurrected back to life. We then see Paul and Jesus going to the tomb, Lazarus, life. We see later on Dorcas, Paul or Peter looking at Dorcas, life. This is not a one-time event. This is the very nature of God. This is who he is. 
when he comes life comes when he is there life flows this is the god we serve and regardless of how my life situation is where my king is where your king is he is reminding us today that his life flows into those situations that his life gives birth where whatever is barren he gives life to whatever is dry will not remain dry anymore and this is not something that he has to bring to existent existence this is who he is and i want us to think that way when we are going through life situations or when we are dealing with someone else's problems this is who our god is from him flows life when we speak his name when peter and john are walking and then they see this man who is lame what do they say in the name of jesus christ rise up and walk because in his name there is life in his presence there is life and i don't want to go through this super fast i want us to stay there a second and i want even as i'm talking right now i'm looking at areas where i need his life and i know for a fact i know this for real that because he is present here he will bring life because he's not working for it it is who he is it is when he is there it is there life number 2 the resurrection power of god breaks into situations and is accelerated in response to our faith the resurrection power of god breaks into situations and is accelerated in response to our faith let's read acts chapter 940 another story acts chapter 940 So a lady named uh, Tabitha died and in Acts chapter 40 it's Peter but Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body he said Tabitha arise and she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter she sat, sat up so the resurrection power of God that is flowing from him every second every day that is available for us that resurrection power breaks into our situations that resurrection power is accelerated in response to my faith in response to your faith so when peter is there and he is looking at dorcas she is dead but in response to the faith that peter has knowing fully well that this jesus who appeared to me a few days ago when i thought that i messed up big time he came and he said feed my sheep and then he filled me with his spirit and then he said go to the ends of the world and proclaim i know this jesus he lives in me and in the name of jesus christ rise up and therefore in response to the faith that peter had power broke through and so again we're going to go, go slow there's no need to rush throughout this teaching this is not a teaching for the sake of teaching this is a teaching for the sake of this resurrection power to change and move in our lives and so even as we sit here this is the truth my jesus he is able to revive when i was thinking about all of this yesterday or a couple of days ago i was thinking all of this ties in so beautifully well with revival because this is who he, he is it is impossible for my god to not give life 
that's his nature. And so we trust in his nature. And we see in the physical who he actually is. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Maybe we won't read it because I remember a few days ago or a couple of weeks ago we read that together. But each time resurrection power is activated, is in work, the agent of transformation for each instance is the Spirit of God. So the agent of transformation in each instance is the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. He is the agent of transformation in each instance. So in Ezekiel 37, we don't need to read it. Verses 4 to 7, what does God say? Ezekiel prophesied to the bones. And then verses 9 and 10, God says, now prophesy to the breath. Spirit to give life to the bones around which now there is flesh because you prophesied already to the bones. Ezekiel 37. And so from that story, here is what we are going to see, okay? So from that story where God says, here is what you need to speak, and he speaks. Here is the principle we are deriving from that. The principle is the Spirit of God has directions for us. And when we command the operations of the Spirit based on his directions, then life cannot be stopped. So the Spirit of God who is doing this work, he has his directions on how it is to be done. And when we align with his Spirit and we hear him say, prophesy now to the bones, prophesy now to the, to, to the breath. And when we are in alignment with the directions of the Spirit, with the laws of the Spirit, then it is impossible to stop life. So we align ourselves with the directions, the directives that we get from the Spirit. I'll give you an example. A few days ago, uh, when we were talking with a person, Mark and I were there. We were talking with this person, and uh, Mark was talking with someone else, and then I was talking, and then all of a sudden felt God say, his heart is so open, you now need to tell him about me. And I started telling him about Jesus. And as I'm telling about, talking to him about Jesus and sharing what Jesus has done, sharing how his life can be, he looked like this, his eyes were like this, and he said, no way he can forgive sins. I said, yes, he can. He said, no way he can forgive sins. I said, yes, he can forgive sins. Every time we talk with someone, we don't do it. But that day, with that particular person, God said, his heart is so open, you have to speak it right now. And we didn't do anything. We just spoke. We just said what Jesus said. Very quickly, he said, I receive him. Very quickly he said, I receive him. Because it's the direction from God. Because if I go and now do that to everyone else, <laughs> because it happened here, no. It is specific directives from the Spirit, because he knows exactly what needs to be done. You are not to prophesy to the wind first. First you prophesy to the bone. Then you prophesy to the wind. And when you do that, then an army is rising up. So the directives and the law, laws of the, the Spirit, we align with that. And then we command from there. Then we declare from there. And then it is impossible to stop what God wants to do. The resurrection power of God, orchestrated, progressed by the power of God, by the power of His Spirit. So when I speak, when we speak the authoritative word of of heaven, then the Spirit of God enters the void and quickens dry bones. When we speak the authoritative word of God, as God speaks, as we speak it, His resurrection power 
goes into dry situations, decaying situations, and it brings life. So it can be what's written in the word. It can be a word that he's giving you for that time, for that specific situation, a rhema word. We hear, we speak, and it happens. So, over the last few weeks, this is the way that God has been leading us. God has been asking us to, to, to say, uh, he has been asking us, go out, this is the time. This is the time for this to happen, not just in your life. This is the time for this to happen for everyone you meet. Because there is a revival happening. The resurrection power of God is the reviving power of God. And this revival that we've been talking about, it's here. It's happening. It's real. And again, it's so natural for God to revive. So natural for Him to revive. Next one. I can now draw my thoughts, my interests, my attitudes from Jesus because his private life has become mine. I can now draw my thoughts, my interests, my attitudes from Jesus because his life has become mine. One of the things that we can fight for is, Abba, my inheritance is that I'm like you. You said I'm growing up to be your stature. And so it doesn't matter how I am right now. My interests, my thoughts, my personality, my attitudes. The reality is that I am in you. You're in me. And therefore, I am fully yours. And therefore, my interests are changing. And therefore, my personality, I don't give two hoots for. And therefore, my attitudes, I will put away. Because I ascribe to your personality. I ascribe to your interests. I ascribe to your thoughts. One of the things that sometimes I, sometimes you hear, right? It, it's my personality, that's how I am. It's a very common thing. It's my, it's my personality, it's who I am, I'm who I am. No. There are so many things about my personality that's just so wrong. And I am to continually say, no, Abba, I don't want that. I don't want to be, I am who I am. I want to be who you are. And that's what I want to be. So we become a people together. A people who, who are together and we say, we don't need things that are from our past to dictate and control how we live. We want the revival from Jesus. We want the resurrected power of Jesus to change the way we are. We will not settle. That's the word. We will not settle. Because sometimes we can settle. With a single word, we can settle. Sometimes we can settle. How? With a, with a, with a, with a mindset, we can settle for little. We don't want to do that. Because the standard that we follow is the standard of Christ. The one we are walking after is Jesus Christ. So how come, how dare I say, my personality is slightly different so I can stand here and do that. No. If I am fully following Christ, he said, die to yourself and then follow me. And when you follow me, now you are my disciple. So my personality doesn't really matter. I will have my personality change so that it matches with my creator, my Lord who I follow. Don't take it to the other extent. I'm not saying that our personalities are not unique. I'm not saying that there are special things about our personalities. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying that we follow the one who went before us and he continually transforms us. And this resurrection power is a power that we, only, that we are not just celebrating. This resurrection power is a power that continuously, 24-7, tran transforms me and transforms you. That is the reality of this power. That in my sleep, he changes me. That when I am awake and walking, he changes me. When I say I need less of me and more of you, he changes me. When I say I am done with this, I need more of you, he changes me. This, revive, this reviving power, this resurrecting power is not just for one day. This is for every second of every day. And as soon as I say I need more of you, there is enough of him, he gives me. And that's his reality. And we need this. We need this. For where God is taking us, we need this Acts 29. Because he is, saying, he is saying there is more waiting for you. And we cannot go ahead and walk into all of that if we are all about our personalities and our interests and how we are. I didn't have any of this in my notes, but I know for a fact that he's inviting us to say, come, be together in what I am calling you to do because I am opening things and you need, you need, you need to align with how I am asking you to be. And when you do, when you do, you watch. You watch. This is who he is. And so this, revive, this revival we are talking about, this resurrection power, I know I am going back to that, but I will go back to that because it is possible. It is absolutely here. It is, it is so God and he will do it. And I align. But I want to change. I don't want to be how I am. I want more of you. Jacob said this when we started talking about the revival. He said there are two things that will be characteristic of this revival. One, purity. Two, devotion. We go back to that. This resurrection life, this li lifestyle is a life pulsing with benefits of the age to come. This resurrection lifestyle is a life pulsating with benefits of the age to come. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1 7. Second Timothy chapter 1 7. Can someone read it? So the Spirit of God gives us power, great power, great love, great self-control. Three things. Great love, great power, great self-control. So Father, I need, to, I need to love people. I give you great love. Father, I don't know how to break through this thing. I give you great power. Father, this has been bothering me for years and I'm still here and I'm still here and I can't get out. I give you great self-control. All of which are realities that are so easily accessible to us by His Spirit. And I want to touch on the fear part because I know two days ago when we met, that's something that eventually the Holy Spirit led us to that. And I want us, even right now as we sit here, to look at areas in our lives where we know we are afraid. I want us to look at areas in our lives right now where we know we, are, we have fear. Sometimes we kind of ignore it. Think about it, please. Sometimes we hide it. Because there are other things that are going so well. 
And God is saying today that my power, my resurrection, resurrection power will free you from fear. Will completely free you from fear. It is your inheritance. All of myself belongs to you. I do not give you half of myself. I do not give you a little. I'll give you all of myself. And so as you now open your heart, as you now say, I need you in this area. I've desperately needed you. I'm here. Fear has no room. The peace of Jesus Christ has room now. The security that comes from Jesus has room now. The healing that comes from Jesus has room now. I know I talked about all of this, but here's the other reality. The other reality is that because we live in human bodies and because of the environment around us, it is easily possible to be dulled to the immeasurable capacity of this resurrection life. That even now as we hear, we hear but because of the world around us, because of the noise, it is easily possible. And because we live in human bodies that are limited by sin, it is easily possible to be dulled to the immeasurable capacity of this resurrection life. It is possible. I'll read a verse and then we'll go there. Let's read. I love this verse, man. Philippians chapter 3, 14. You don't need to read it. I'll read it. Listen to me though. Philippians chapter 3 verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is an upward call of God on my life. There is an upward call of God on your lives. You cannot deny it. Even though the, the physical body we are in, that, that is limited by sin, even though the environment against, uh, around us, even, even though there is noise around us that try to dull us to the immeasurable capacity of this resurrection power, even though all of that is true, there is an upward call of God on each and every one of our lives. There is an upward call of God. I have these balloons here. To illustrate this as best as I possibly can. <laughs> there is an upward call of God on our lives. That yes, everything that I said so far is true. And we are walking around on earth. As we walk around on earth, we are limited by our human bodies. We are limited by sometimes that which is around us. And while all of what I said is true, the imme immeasurable capacity of God's resurrection power doesn't really show. It's like, look at this. They don't even look like balloons. But we're walking, right? But there is an upward call of God on our lives. You can't deny it. You can't deny it. Regardless, there is an upward call of God on our lives. And what God is saying today is this. It doesn't matter how it's looking. When you press in to what I have, this power that we are talking about is not a power that is limited by that which is around you. This power is not a power that is limited by our inabilities. 
This power is a power that will go up because there is a resurrection power available because Jesus rose from the dead and it can't keep him down. He's resurrected and this power cannot be kept down. It's impossible to keep this down. I want this to go into our thinking. I want to see the, the first balloons that I talked to you about or showed you around. But this is the truth of his word. And the good news for us is, Abba, this is where I need your help. There you go. Okay, good, good. It's working so far. Last move. The second balloon is me. This is who I am. And guess what? When I am with him, I need your help here too, Father. This is where Don said, don't waste this. There you go. Almost there. And because I am with Jesus, joking aside, because I am in him, because he is in me, because his power is true, because it will never fail. Because I want to go back to that verse, Philippians 3, 14. There is an upward call of God on my life. There is an upward call of God on your lives. And regardless of what our situations look like, regardless of how the noise around us make or try to control our life, the truth is that this upward call cannot be stopped. And so, that's it. This upward power of God is real. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. Don't look at it now. Look at me, please. <laughs> we'll get it down. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there for Jacob. <laughs> but please understand this. There is an upward call of God on our lives. And it cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped. This power will break through. Every situation, every block, every other power that comes against us. And it cannot be stopped. Think about this upward call. Go back to the first verse that we read. And it ties in with the resurrection story too. I don't have any more goodies, that's it. It ties in with the resurrection story too, which is, what did the, the women do? They went to the tomb looking for Jesus. And then in, in that verse that we read from Colossians, it says, set your mind on things that are above. And when you set your mind on things that are above, then you will seek it. You can't seek the things that are above when I am setting my mind on things that are below. But when I set my mind on this upward call of God on my mind, on my life, on this upward call of God on your life, then I start seeking this. And then, because this power is never mine or developed by mine to begin with, and because this power is fully His, and because this power is fully His, fully His, you're not contributing to this power, thank God. I'm not contributing to this power, thank God. All of this is all of him. And because of that, it cannot be stopped. And I want us to so walk around this week and starting now in the reality of this truth. There's no going back. Because God is preparing us for that which is he has in front of us. And this is the direction we go. This is the direction we are walking. Just a couple more things. We'll finish right on time, or much before that, because it's only 12.30. Five more minutes, and uh, we'll wrap up. Let's read Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 9. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 9.
swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. I'll read it again. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever this river flows. Wherever this resurrection power is, whenever this resurrection power is active, wherever this resurrection power flows into, swarms of living creatures will live. When it touches a dead situation, there is life. When it touches a dry situation, there is greenery. When it touches desert, there is joyous singing. When it touches thirsty lands, there is springs of water. When it touches my weakness, there is strength. Where it touches, when it touches that which I have longed for and is my inheritance, it is available. And the reason I read this verse out loud is because it also takes us back to what we've been talking about. That this body, the way God is commissioning us now is not just for ourselves. This truth is for the world outside. This truth is for our colleagues at work. This truth is for our friends. This truth is for us. This truth is for the ones we meet on the streets. This truth is for the rich. It's for the poor. This truth is for the single and it is for the married. And for Evan. Because he was laughing. <laughs> this truth is for all of us. And all that God wants today is for us to say, we are not celebrating just an event. We are not here to celebrate an event. We are here to celebrate an event and walk in this resurrection power. Because this is so much ours. The way God has set, us up, set this up is so good because it is not based on our abilities or inabilities. <laughs> Can you imagine what life would be like if we were asked by God to do things based on our abilities? <laughs> Wayne is laughing. That's the right response. Man, we are so privileged because our Savior did it all. He died, he rose again, and he said, I'm giving all of myself to you. And this power is available to you. It's for you to partake in. It's not just for you, it's for everyone you meet. And so I close th with this one thing, because soon after Jesus um, resurrected, when he met the disciples, he addressed two things. One, he addressed hardness of heart. Then he addressed lack of belief or unbelief. And it's important to note that because even with everything we are saying, everything we are running after, we don't want to be people with a hardness of heart. We want to be people whose heart can flow any which way God wants it to flow. We want to be a people who a people, not few. We want to be a people who will run when God says this way all together. We want to be a people in whom he cannot find unbelief because we trust him well. Because we have arrived as a body to a place where we know you have led us well. We look back only to press on forward with this upward call of God on our lives. We are not meant for this earth. There is an upward call that cannot be stopped. The balloons are still there. It, I can't bring it down unless someone else does something. <laughs> That's the truth. It is there. And I pray that during this week, we will remind ourselves of this.
that this resurrection power is available for me and I'm going to walk in it. And it's not based on my abilities, but I'm going to align myself with, myself with the directives of the Spirit, with the laws of His Spirit, and then I'm going to run after Him and everything else He does. That's it. Um, Tuni, can you come up and sing Break the Chains? And as we sing this song, sing it in response to what you've heard. Sing it in response to Abba, dry areas, I need life. Barren areas, I need life. Abba, I need you to come in and break chains because this resurrection power is active. I want us to respond to God and His truth by singing this song. And what I believe is that when we sing it, things will shift, things will move, only because He is true to His word and His power is available. Jesus, I just want to thank you for everything that you've done that allows us to be here to celebrate today. Your resurrection is way beyond anything we can comprehend. And the sacrifice that you made is also way beyond anything we can comprehend. So, Father, I just, and, and Holy Spirit, I ask that you would really, especially this week, especially this week, because you want to solidify this in our, in our lives and in our thinking and in our spirits. So I ask that you would really remind us constantly of your resurrection, your resurrection power, and the things that you're calling us to be because you have indwelled us. And there's nobody here who's here by accident, Father. So I ask on behalf of all of us that you would make us really aware of you this week and make us responsive. May we not put up barriers and and things that will hesitate and put up all the things that we're habitually doing to separate us from what you want for us. I pray that you would work on us miracles so that we come back next week with great, great stories. And I ask this in the name of the risen Christ. Amen.